My my <laughs> that was all super muted. I think I think it was muted. It was silent. Man, I was uh I was busy calling out Anthrax and Austin for being first and no one else and all that all that, that went. But hey, lost to the super, world. It's funny because just before we started, I was like, "There's something I'm missing," and I was staring directly at my uh, my switcher, which <laughs> had the mic and the audio sources muted, just back and forth, staring at that thing, being like, "What am I missing here?" That's okay. It's, better, it's fine now. That's better safe than sorry, Lawrence. Way better safe than sorry. <laughs> I wasn't safe. Or, well, I guess I was almost sorry. Anyway, welcome to the Talk to the Internet podcast, uh, where I promise that'll probably be the last time I complain about technical issues. Um, was that really a complaint? Guys, Who knows? Minor you guys missed Kraken shouting slurs, and that's why we muted. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Always with this, let's <laughs> put Kraken down thing. Kind of foot pedal. Hey, oh, whoa, whoa. He, he just woke up. Let's let's welcome him to the world with a little bit of, little bit of lies. Kraken, That's I'm, Bruce's. He chose violence not, when you woke up today. Here's the, th- here's the deal. Internet, I was not putting Kraken down. That was a joke. Kraken would never shout any slurs ever in a million years. I was just kidding around. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. My, hey, anytime. I got off scot-free with that one now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man what's the point of cultivating a positive internet persona Is that you can throw around some slurs and people won't believe it yeah. <laughs> yes. we've learned anything from the last few years of uh of drama on the internet it's that you know as long as you make you seem like a nice guy you can get away with whatever you want you know because no one's gonna believe it well what is it is it is there a three strikes rule where you get two strikes and you're good like you accidentally say a few words it's no big deal for the first couple times, and then the third time, that's it. You're done. I I don't think there is such a rule. I, no. I, okay. Right. You know, I I think I mean, I'm trying to think back because I've been on the internet for 13 years. I actually did the math in my head. Next year, I'll be have been doing online content for literally half my life. Man, um, crazy. Which I don't know many other people that have can say that because I started when I was pretty young, and that I would agree. Yeah, was like tripping me out quite a bit. So. Um, but obviously when you start making, you know, online content when you're 14, it's very possible you may have said something in a video when you were 14, you're not proud of now when you're 28 and like, you know, there, I think there's a a couple examples of stuff I look back and I cringe about, but like every once in a while I, I like, we'll see a comment or someone that's like trying to stir up some drama by like referencing something or a stance that I had, or a bad joke that I made, like, mm-hmm. like literally, like, 12 years ago, and I'm like, okay, this seems like a stretch, but, you know, who knows? I, I feel like nowadays, everyone's a lot more careful with what they say. Not everyone, but, you know, the people that well, are... You, no, yeah, I, you're right, and but you also bring up an interesting point, too, which is, not only are we more careful about what we say, but our views have changed. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent, you know, like senses of humor changes, the world changes. That's, this is yeah. something that I, I have seen, I think more and more recently now is people on the internet are starting to understand and be like, if somebody said something 10 years ago, well, maybe, maybe they actually have learned and maybe they have actually grown. Um, and maybe they are in a different environment as well. Uh, which is good. I think that's good because that means we're maturing as a society and getting better at, you know, things we say and do uh and being more sensitive to the world around us that's a that's a great point actually my first the first question of the day on this episode of talk to the internet that i like to pose to these questions of the day two dudes around me uh is what was the first like think back to an example of how you've grown i guess as a person from your time on the internet and a like 
a thing that you had done back then that you wouldn't now do and why, you know, like what, what has evolved, I guess, of your personality and your approach to online content that has been from, I don't know, exposure mm -hmm. to a global level. That's an, that's an excellent, excellent question. Um, Lawrence, you want, you want to go first? That's the question first? of the day, you know? Yeah, it. no, it, you clearly put a lot of thought into it. I, I would say out of all the questions that I've thought of today, that one is the most like worthy of ruminating on for the entire day. So well done, Craig. Thank you. Yeah, I might make an app actually, just called the question of the day. Oh, just, I don't think you know. the world's ready for that. What, and also, I'm, what what if somebody <laughs> hits it twice in one day? You blow their I'm minds. also pretty sure, I'm pretty it sure that app's already made, dude. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's the question of the day for a reason, asshole. That's what it says. Then it from your phone. Why'd you call me an asshole, dude? <laughs> it just flips you off as it closes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tesseract in chat uh, says when I was in high school, we called everything gay. Definitely not something I would do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a weird window when gay just meant lame or bad. Uh, Hillary you, Duff glad, told us not to do that. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's exactly my, uh, my oh. example. So way back uh, when I first started working at Attack of the Show in 2007, um, I remember that was still a hundred percent a thing that, that my friends and I said, and I said it in an office environment and, uh, there was a writer, uh, that was there and I'm not going to name him because he's, an, he's still a friend of mine and I don't want anybody to be like, Oh, I can't believe this dude. Um, but he, like I said it, I was like, ah, oh, so gay, like something like that. And, uh, and the guy, he stood up and he was like, Hey man, uh, why'd you say that? And I was like. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, and he was really nice about it. He's like, I was like, I don't know. I was just kind of like, I'm bummed out about something. And he's like, oh, well, why'd you use the word gay? And I was like, well, uh, it was just slang. It's just kind of like, you know, and he's like, well, does that mean that like things that are gay bum you out? And I said, no, not at all. And he went, all right, well, then maybe you shouldn't use that word. And I went, well, holy shit. <laughs> and he, that was it. Like <laughs> yeah. a switch flipped, a switch flipped for me. And I was like, done. Uh, and, and ever like, I wasn't mad at him. I wasn't like, he did it in, in like the best possible way. He was very understanding, but also he's very firm. And he was like, you shouldn't do that. There's no reason for it. And he was right. Uh, That's great. yeah. And I, and I, I think I learned to like educate someone in like an empathetic way where you kind of walk through yeah. their thought process and then like giving them an alternative and they're like, huh, this is yeah. an alternative. I was, uh, I learned a very valuable lesson that way. And, and, uh, just to answer your question, I was not homophobic in the least. I had many gay friends. I had many, you know, LGBTQ uh, plus friends at that time. Um, it was just something that was in my lexicon and shouldn't have been. And uh, and he helped me take it right out. That's great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, yeah. So I just wanted to comment real quick on that one. Someone in uh, Lawrence, I think your chat mentioned that. Uh, fake and gay was like a common internet comment oh, yeah. and like yes. copy pasta yeah. for years. Like, what a weird dude. I don't even know who coined that or like where that started, but like, God, that was everywhere. And I, I'm sure that didn't help. <laughs> what a weird combination of two different, like, you know, descriptors. <laughs> it never made sense. Uh, yeah, I know. Ugh, I know. Man. <laughs> it's because, oh, well, man. gay just meant lame. So it's kind of both. It just meant lame. Yeah. Well, but but that's the thing is that even though like, and that's the, even in that sentence, Lawrence is like, ah, it just meant lame. To me, that's like, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Why did it mean lame? Like start mm -hmm. questioning why. Sure. And then, yeah. and then, yeah. And then that's when you go, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> you know, like I should probably change the way I, I think of things. Um, mm -hmm. If, if that's what meant lame to me, you know. 
Uh, for me, I guess the the only thing that would well, I'm trying to think. There's some jokes and stuff you could certainly take out of context that would not be super savory now, but I think throwing throwing further back, uh, there was I uh, in my in my many many like posts of writings for like volunteer game blogs and stuff when I was trying to trying to make my way on the scrappy internet, basically trying to squeeze some money out of playing video games. Uh, I had this like weekly editorial column that I would just write about whatever, uh, just to force myself to write more. And in one of them, I remember it was just sort of like, a, it wasn't really a well-formed thought, but I do remember, uh, you know, as a younger dude, um, you know, being a, being a non, a non-sex haver, um, you know, and there were many reasons for that that had nothing to do with the topic at hand. But <laughs> I basically wrote an article like that was just when the conversation was starting to get started about representation in women in games and how like, like basically uh, gaming was kind of starting to change from something that especially in the West was seen as a dude hobby for dudes who uh, who want to see like tits hanging out. Um, and then at the time, the counterpoint was, well, you know, like Ryu in Street Fighter, he's he's jacked up and shirtless. So it's equality, right? There's Everyone gets sexualized. And I was like, well, there's actually another angle here. And uh, I remember a lot of this came from resentment uh, and rejection or perceived rejection, I think is more like. But I remember going to like anime cons and stuff and the dudes that women were like just thirsting over were not, it wasn't shirtless Ryu. It was like very lithe, feminine anime boys. And I remember thinking like, well, you know, they have their trash too. Um, it's just no one's looking at it because dudes don't care about that. But I do remember uh, expressing that like, uh, I I feel like I understand a little bit about representation and how that stings because I will never be a thin, sparkly anime boy. Um, mm. And I was like, for all, I see, you know, I see a lot of like what I would consider ladies that I would like to at least talk to or get to know and they're clearly lusting after a male form that I will never have so I was like well okay I understand that a little bit but I did uh use the f word to describe these anime fellows mm. um and because you know I was growing up that wasn't necessarily used exclusively as a pejorative for homosexual men but uh at the I remember writing that and posting it and some people in the comments were like whoa and I was like what do you mean whoa and then even the editor of the website was like hey look I'm pretty sure you didn't mean it like this, but this is this is what that word means. And I was like, oh, crap. OK. And then I went back and edited it, changed it to something just to mean like more more feminine, which now I realize, you know, that association in my head is uh, problematic in the first place. But yeah, if you wanted to if you wanted to to flip back to that, that'd probably be my cancelable moment, probably my most homophobic moment, I guess. Yeah. So. I wouldn't use that word now, but I think the the sentiment, I mean, the sentiment itself even came from a, I'm mad that women won't talk to me. Uh, so I think <laughs> I think the, the emotion fueling the entire piece is a little bit cringeworthy, too. Uh, yeah. And I was expressing that, you know, in the way that a lot of dudes do, where, like hyper intellectualizing it and talking about society, when the truth is I could probably learn how to dress better and not be such a such a goddamn pen up moron when I talk to people. So, you know. <laughs> well, Lawrence, it's pretty great because you—that's uh, like a really interesting lesson that you've learned along the way. And it's it's amazing that you like have gotten this far and been and recognized this is the reason I did it type thing. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty strongly. Well, maybe this is just how I work, but I feel pretty strongly that it's very difficult to it's very difficult to identify and change behavior that you don't like if you don't understand the parts of yourself that are motivating it. 
Yeah. Um, so that was a big part of my journey is, is really coming to terms with and being honest with myself about my insecurities and how they, they fueled my defensive mechanisms. Um, you know, that, that, that was my 20s, basically. Uh, and kind of to Kriken's point, the misfortune is that a lot of that was spent creating content. Luckily, most of it was written, so it all fell into a trash can. And nobody can find it anymore. Um, <laughs> whereas, you know, if it were on YouTube, it would be there preserved for all time. Uh, so, yeah, that what an interesting uh, what an interesting dynamic. What I want to do, what I'd love to do, and this this is tricky because I feel like people who act like this are very, you know, they're the jokers of the Internet. But I would love to talk to somebody whose pastime it is to go and try to dig through somebody's past and find something dumb and just start shit. Like, I would love to talk to them and just, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's just like, well, I just want to do it because it's fun. But man, a day in the life, I would love that's to. Just a, that's trolling. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just, it's just trolling. I just want to know how long somebody spends on that. Like, when do you, when, when you're diving in on somebody and trying to find something bad about them, how long do you spend? How far back do you go? Do you just like, do you just comb the first couple of links on Google search and that's it? Or do you actually like watch through every video all the way back to somebody's YouTube channel, just passively waiting for a, a horrible moment to drop so that you can capture it. I don't know. Man. Man. I, I mean, I'm sure that they, if they are doing it out of spite, which a lot of trolls are, then they're going to watch every single minute and, you know, dissect all of it until they find something they know they can, they can, and even then they're, mm -hmm. they're, that's like confirmation bias, right? So they're looking for something that will, that they think will be cancelable. And even if they don't find anything, they're going to, they're going to work up something that is. Yeah. But I think the most recent example for me was someone that had like found a comment of mine in a video from like 2013 and like it was like a joke in poor taste. And then it was like they literally kept spamming my Twitch chat trying <laughs> to let everyone know that I was a bad person for making this joke and that, I, you know, it was insensitive or whatever. And they're like, what are you? What is he? What are you trying to prove here? This is literally like, <laughs> like eight years ago. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that was a great example. Uh, well, both of you guys, but Lawrence, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I know that's like sort of stuff that you nowadays will like keep thinking over and like playing over your head. You're like, oh god, I can't believe you know that was a reaction I had, or like that was a thing that I said. Um, I know I feel that way sometimes about some of the you know specific choices or, or word choices that I made that I've since kind of evolved from. Um, I think my example of a, of a evolving mindset, um, well, there's kind of two, but they both kind of stem from going to college uh, because I grew up in a place that was like pretty uh, old school, I think in a lot of ways. And I even went to like an all boys school and everything. So hmm. um, my experience with, uh, you know, being around and learning from, uh, you know, the opposite sex is, was very limited. Uh, and then going to college and like being in a learning environment with like women, uh, you know, it sounds crazy, but like that was groundbreaking to me. Like I, I just had never been in a situation where like, you know, we are both answering like questions and like, you know, <laughs> critical thinking in like yeah. a yeah. learning and work environment that literally was just never a thing when I grew up. So that was the first one, which obviously uh, had, you know, lasting impact. But um, the second was my major, specifically my school that I went to at, at USC, had a lot of um, uh, trans identifying people. And that was also the, my first exposure to that. And, you know, since then, I think that has become a lot more accepted and uh, uh, kind of 
recognizable um, on the internet. But uh, my first exposure to it was definitely in college and um, kind of learning how to have that conversation with them and like them with me as someone who's like, you know, like a cis white male, like, you know, you, you kind of are identified as like part of the problem. So how to get past that and then get to know each other as people uh, was was also a challenge um, yeah. or at least like, you know, an initial barrier, um, but definitely a, a good thing to learn. So. And that'd be my, my first thought. That's I remember getting one. yelled at across the room by uh, someone because I asked a question about, like, it makes sense to me now in retrospect. Uh, but, you know, I kind of tagging along with with what you were saying, Craig. And I remember, uh, oh boy. Uh, so th- there's layers to this. So this was like, it was one of the first anime conventions I ever went to. I think I was a, f- a freshman or a sophomore in college. And it was one of those it was one of those experiences where, you know, I'm sleeping on the floor in in a hotel room that has eight other people in it. And uh, one of the dudes in there was gay um, and he was being, you know, he was he was fairly flamboyant. Like it's one of those, you know, if you had your eyes closed and some earplugs in, you'd probably still know, Um, which is fine. But I I remember uh, kind of asking. Like he had a friend, a female friend, um, and, you know, they were getting along famously. And uh, I had I had sort of seen this happen a couple times, so I asked I asked like, why is it when like homosexual people come out, then suddenly they're just like hypersexual? That's like everything. I get it now as an adult. You know, if you've been repressing yourself for twenty years and suddenly you feel like okay with yourself and you feel safe to talk about these things, of course you're gonna dabble. You know, like if I go a day without a coffee, I I fucking slam my head into it and wiggle it around like I'm <laughs> like it's gonna give me life. So I understand that now, but at the time I didn't. Um, uh, shit, man, I was still coming to terms with my own sexuality, uh, because I, you know, grew up in a church and you're not allowed to feel those things or, or accept them or talk about them. So anyway, I'm in that room and I ask that question. And then, um, the dude's friend takes it as an insult. Like I'm, my tone was probably not right. I'll admit that in retrospect, yeah. but she was like, Hey, what the, what the fuck did you just say? Cause there's a gay, gay person here and I am an ally. And I was just like, whoa, why are you being so defensive? And she's like, that's insulting. And then her friend turned and said, well, I'm not insulted. And then she said, well, I am. And then I was just like, okay, I'm backing off of that one. Um, and that's just kind of where it ended. She just kind of like yelled at me a little bit more. And I just sort of rolled over in my sleeping bag on the ground. Um, but yeah, not a not a, not a a great moment. But that is that that interesting spark where, yeah, you're a... You kind of have to come into those conversations with your hat in your hands, I feel like. Otherwise, it just it kicks everything off on the wrong foot. Well, yeah, because yeah. you don't have you don't have that perspective mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, and that's that's something that took me a long time to figure out is that I just didn't have the perspective that they did because they grew up differently. Uh, they experienced other different things and they have had to go through a lot of other things that I haven't. So I, you know, like you said, hat in hand, I try to trust those experiences <laughs> that they're telling me about because I don't know. Um, and the same goes for me, by the way, too. It's like. I've had experiences they have never had and uh, and then they'll have to sort of trust me when I'm talking about those things, too. Yeah, it goes both ways, though, and I think to you, to your point, Lawrence, in that scenario, not having like not coming from a place of like, let's talk about this and have this conversation and just being like a brick wall of you're a bigot, get out of my sight, like, you know, we're not going to have this conversation like that just further you know pushes you away from yeah. the 
you know, understanding and like being welcomed into their world. And so then it's like just polarizing. So, you know, if you're ever in a situation either as an ally or, you know, someone identifying that way yourself, like, please leave an open, like, try to educate someone the way that, like, you know, Bruce was educated when he, you know, made a comment that was like, you know, he was then brought up to understand a bit better and then kind of changed his behavior going forward. So um, not that this is the uh, podcast where we, you know, <laughs> teach you how to reinvent yourselves, but I don't know. I feel like practicing empathy and, and you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes is always a good idea. Yeah, it's just, I know it always boils down to me for, as, as perspective. It's, it's like, mm -hmm. you don't, they, the, these people that, that you're talking to, they grew up in a completely different world. They had 10, 15, 20 years of experience that you have never, ever had. So maybe you met them and you have been a friend with, with them for a year or something. Um, you've only known them for a year. What happened in the, in the previous 20 hmm. um, to them that uh, made them who they are today? And if you give them a chance, they'll explain it to you. They'll tell you what led them to, to where they are today and, and what they're doing, why they're doing and things like that. If, you know, obviously, yes, if they're going to be open and vulnerable. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the, I don't know. It's just a, it's an interesting thing to think about that the people that I have known, like I've known Kraken for a pretty long time. I've known Lawrence for even longer. So it's like, I know those guys pretty well, but if somebody comes up to me, that's brand new to me and then, starts telling me about their experiences. I just have to take them at face value. I mm -hmm. have to believe that they're telling the truth because I don't know. Um, uh, and I, you know, go in with an open mind is what it was, what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I do see what, there's one thing that I find is kind of interesting is, is when these moments happen, there's this tendency to want to like solve the problem. You know, maybe this mm. is a dude thing, but I, I see a lot of this discourse on the internet of like, how can we fix this? How can we make this never happen again? Like, how can we establish societal rules to prevent this discomfort from ever landing on anyone? And I'm not, the older I get, like, I, I was certainly that way in my 20s. I was like, I want to develop a behavioral system, a series of, of like moral and behavioral rules that will mean I never do anything wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, there's some maybe it's just an engineering mindset of wanting to turn morality and like human interaction into math. I feel like this crosses over to the pickup artistry territory a bit. But uh, I don't know. The older I get, the more I'm like, man, you can't you can't avoid these things. Actually, they're just part of the human experience. And it's yep. less about like I because some people were talking about cancel culture before. And like, is it good? Is it bad? I don't I don't I don't know that like either way, it's going to happen. That's just what people do. Mm -hmm. uh and and like some people are bringing up like james gunn like oh it's so horrible this is happening to him but he's he's still directing huge movies like his career hasn't ended so it's not right that people do certain things or act in certain ways but people are allowed to act shitty sometimes um and it's just yeah we just have to figure out how to roll through it instead of preventing it from happening in the first place that's kind of that's where my head's been. Yeah, that's where my head's been going lately. And that's mm. kind of paired in tandem with giving myself a bit of a break about certain things. It's like you're allowed to you're allowed to, you know, you don't have to hold yourself to such ridiculous standards all the time. Hmm. And James Gunn's uh, specific example, uh, there were like, you know, a bunch of tweets in question way back in like 2012 or 2010 or whatever it was. And he had actually apologized publicly mm. for the for those uh, tweets. Like, I think a couple of years after them. So this is long before he ever got uh, whatever canceled off of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, he had apologized for those tweets. And it was, it's kind of one of those things where like, well, do you accept those apologies? Or 
do you still go back and then, you know, put them on the cross for that, even though they they have apologized for it and and, you know, publicly grown? Uh, that's obviously it's a case by case basis, much like Lawrence was saying, where you can't you can't apply one rule to all this stuff. It's it's uh, everybody's got a different story. So but with him, he had apologized publicly and didn't seem to, you know, uh, exhibit that behavior after the fact. So maybe he had grown. Um, that's why it was such an interesting part of uh, it's such an interesting cancel for cancel culture is that everyone was like, but he'd already apologized for this. And seemingly he had grown. <laughs> so uh, we, we yeah. nobody was sure. It was interesting. It's pretty clear to see what people's motivations are based on how they react to stuff like that. If uh, if they really do seek like growth, understanding, empathy, connection, sincere apologies will usually do it. But if they're not, if they're if they're instead just after a cause and they want to feel like they're fighting a holy fight, typically that's not enough because you have to yeah. win. You, and winning, I guess, is eliminating the enemy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, you know, again, it's all part of you can't stop people from acting that way. It would be nice yeah. to, but yeah. Anyway, what are we do? talking about? Video games. Video <laughs> games. Oh, speaking of war, um, I had a. <laughs> speaking of a, war, we were yeah. even talking about war. Yeah, we we're talking about basically the the whole concept of you know destroy your enemies, see them driven before you, sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I. Craig, you talking about holy war? Talking about holy war? Yeah, I was going off of. I was Lawrence gave me the uh, the layup mm-hmm. for the you know <laughs> he, he set me up and then I'm I'm spiking at home. Um, my uh, I was actually going to ask you guys both about this, uh, but um. We have been, we just recently relaunched an Arma server of a, uh, a mod called the Anti-Stasi mod um, with all my buddies. And I wanted to invite you guys if you wanted to try it out, but basically I'll explain the, the concept. Um, it's a, so Arma is like a, a hyper military simulator game um, that also has a pretty good modding scene, which lets you kind of play with it. It's kind of where DayZ originally came from. Um, you know, back when that was relevant. Oh my God, I haven't thought about the game for <laughs> like a decade. Um, but uh, the there's a the, the mod that we're specifically using is set in um, a foreign country where you basically play a freedom like liberation fighter like troop, and both Russia and the U.S. are trying to take over your land, and they're like, you know, having a full on not cold war, just a full on hot war. <laughs> in your country <laughs> and you're like but we live here and we kind of want to like also be, be here and drive you guys out so it's basically like you know guerrilla warfare you and your other freedom fighters trying to take individual like territory and hold it against these superpowers who are like you know butting heads at the same time and so uh we did our first stream of it on monday and it is intense it was it is terrifying but um it was uh it was very cool so if you guys are interested in trying out that military sim style game uh you are certainly welcome to join us i think bruce you've you've played it before Um, i have i have it It was really fun it's uh it's traumatizing if i'm honest but it's it's still fun i would well it's all a it's all ai right it's all like uh, Mm -hmm. the russian and, and american armies are ai yeah but they so for what i we might revisit the uh, the AI rule set, but because um, this time they weren't like scary strong. Uh, hold on, actually, I might be able to find a clip for you that will demonstrate. But it was to the point where if you took any piece of land within, it feels like seven minutes 
they would scramble jets to your location and just <laughs> like put the fear of God in you in like an yeah. instant. Uh, if anything, the takeaway from that stream was like the U.S. military is way overfunded. <laughs> that was like <laughs> the one thing we kept coming back to. Here, I uh, I don't Get know if you political now, Craig, and we're gonna you're, you're hey, putting it, some coins in that cancel bank, huh? Oh yeah. Well, hey. That's just my my stance, at least. Wait until your um, tech gets a military contract, and then and then who's going to be laughing? And then I'll just eat my own words. Yeah. Here, I don't know if you want to pull up a, a clip on stream, but sure, um, yeah. This is uh, this was the second Humvee we found, uh, which we obviously took from the Americans, um, and then we were like, all right, now that we have this, like we have a fighting chance, we're going to go back and take the town to the south of us, uh, and then my buddy who was in the Humvee kept yelling at me to stop and pull over. Um, and, uh, oh, actually would benefit with, from sound, I bet. But, yeah. Um, okay. Hold on, hold on. So he, we're being followed by a guy on a quad bike and he's like, Hey, I want to get in his car. And we're like, why? And he's like, just in case this blows up. Jesus. Was that an IED? What the hell? Yeah, what hit you? We don't know. <laughs> that was how oh. terrifying this, this game is. There was no way we could have seen that coming. There was just suddenly a streak of light in the distance, and the entire, the the one thing we had spent hours getting was gone. Oh, it was uh, a tank round? Oh, my god! It was either a tank round or... A drone or, strike? Well, immediately afterwards, a jet flew over, and so we thought ah. that might have been it. Um, but... I, I still, to this day, I don't know what it was. I, I've squinted on the horizon <laughs> looking for exactly what actually shot me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was that. So, um, yeah. yeah I, military I have a sims, man. You're just new understanding for the crawling through the war, bushes for like. three hours, and then you just get aced by some dude who's like 500 meters away. That's it. Zink. Is, there, is there some like weapon in Arma that does that to you? Mm -hmm. More than one. There are many. And um, <laughs> I remember, uh, I think later in that, that day, the the boys managed to take down an Apache helicopter and then, like, you know, repair it and, you know, take it up themselves. Yeah. And it only lasted again in, like, 10 minutes before, uh, like, three heat-seeking missiles just came out of Jeez. nowhere and <laughs> took them down instantly. So, yeah, everything is very temporary in that game. That's that'll, so that'll teach awesome. you to... That'll teach you to go against America, Kraken. Yep, that was the <laughs> that is the one theme of that stream was, you know, <laughs> you messed up, shouldn't have fought Americans. <laughs> they just keep coming. They just keep coming, man. Do you feel like was that a so it's it's I'll I'll ask a separate question. This this is still gamer, but uh Kraken, this is a I'm basically ripping off your question of the day. But what's a game that has taught you a life lesson? Mm. It does kind of feel like a ripoff of my question. It's today. absolutely a ripoff. But <laughs> don't uh, don't tell my lawyers that. And since I didn't write it down, whatever, man, it's fine. Uh, let me see. I mean, I, I really like. Uh, I'm again ripping off your answer, but the the idea that like playing that game and having that experience about like you know spending hours to to grab an apache and get it up in the air and then it just immediately gets swatted down because of the crushing gdp of the united states that's like <laughs> i feel like that's you can you can read about that or you can think about it but mm -hmm. you know living it virtually is something yeah. else 
I, you know, yeah, I guess following the train of thought, this specific game mode is very much like enjoy the journey, not the destination. Don't don't hold anything too precious because in an instant it will be taken away from you from an off-screen off missile strike. <laughs> but hey, that, you know, the, six, the the 30 seconds I took driving that Humvee down the road was hella fun. So, you know, I I can't be mad, right? Because <laughs> I, I enjoyed the destination or the journey. Um, let me think. Yeah, I don't know if... Hmm. Oh, here's a great example. Um, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. And without spoiling much of that game, it has real consequences based on your actions, especially in the ending act, um, which is pretty rare for an RPG, I feel like, to have you know an actual plethora of branching endings and narratives and kind of yeah. results. Um and you can also play that game with your buddies uh, going through a the entire campaign, which is like an, an insane amount of content. You can play like, you know, over 100 hours, I feel like, of that game uh, in one, you know, campaign. Um, and so at the end of our journey, I remember I was, you know, playing with a bunch of my streamer friends. We're all streaming it. And a decision that I had made hours before that seemed like, you know, a clever in character like one-off thing ended up having drastic implications <laughs> on the final <laughs> fight and cutscene uh to the point where they were all robbed of a satisfying ending and i got like this the solo selfish ending basically <laughs> oh, and I, see. I see i felt so bad and they afterwards <laughs> like dm'd me like hey like I know you didn't mean to, but like that really sucked. And I'm like, I know it did. I'm so sorry. And like, I felt that's really funny that you fucked up it. their game. It did. I, okay. Since then, we have reached out to the devs and let them know that this was fucked up because not only do they get robbed of a good ending, because their characters died, they get kicked to the main menu while I get the ending cutscene. Oh, they didn't wow. even oh, see no it. Way. Wow. And so after a hundred hours of playing together, because of that one decision, they are robbed of any ending and I get my personal ending. And I was like, I could not feel worse about this right now. So please, please fix this in your game. At least let them see what happens to the other person. <laughs> yeah. um, oh my God. So yeah, that, uh, that one, that's probably one of the up there in the most, uh, lesson learns of video games that I've had in terms of like, what was Think the lesson through. learned? Yeah, what was the lesson? Yeah, it doesn't sound like there was much of a lesson learned. <laughs> the lesson learned was probably to think through your actions, spe specifically how it will affect others around you, even if you're like, because like I, I fall into like role-playing characters a lot, just kind of what I do on my channel and like how I am as a person. I like kind of getting immersed in a, you know, someone's shoes. So yeah. for both my channel and the entertainment and for my character in that show, even though like we were only like light role playing, the the choice that I made made sense for my idea of him. But then, you know, I of course had no idea it was going to come back in that you know way at the end. But the way it did uh, was definitely not worth the decision. And so I'm like, right, okay, right. you know, from now on, I'm going to be a lot more aware of the entertainment other people are having and their own character arcs and trying to step on their toes, even if it seems like a thing my character would do, especially in the context of a hundred hour campaign. <laughs> you know, if it was yeah. like a one stream thing, then like, that's fine. But if it was like 
we've literally been doing this for, you know, for months and months and months, then, you know, definitely yield to what they want. That brings up a real interesting dynamic about like role playing in general. Uh, and I don't know, it, I've, I've experimented a bit with like role playing asshole characters, but it, it's, it's tough because you will, you can do things as a player that, you know, like you said, Greg, can actively change other people's experiences sometimes for the worse. And it's tough, I think, to like, maybe maybe sometimes you need buy-in from the other players of like, hey, I'm going to come in here and because I'm here, you your game might get fucked up or there there might be encounters you don't get to have because I, my character is an asshole. I don't know. Uh, that's that's such an interesting line to walk where like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you were you were being true to the spirit of the game, I think, and you had no idea that that, that consequence was going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Really, really interesting stuff. I, I, I mean, find the, uh, the, the, like the blending of people's personal feelings and their character like those things sort of seeping into each other is really interesting. My, my stance has always been it's okay to play an asshole character as long as it's serving, you know, positive role play potential and inciting story elements that will give other people a chance to play their characters more. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are, if your character's entire purpose is shutting down other people's things, <laughs> well, yeah, then that that's is not, imp- not. That's not improv, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's not improv. That's, that's the no but. Of improv. Yeah. And like, there is still there's a there's a place for a no but in in RP if you're the antagonist and you're like trying to cause conflict, but it should still be conflict where they can play their character and you react to that. If it's like you are a titan that is just tearing a hole through the you know the planet. And no matter what the heroes do, you won't notice them because they're so small. Then, like, why are you even playing this game with other people? Right. You know, you should just be doing your own thing. So, uh, I don't want to like hog all that. The you know talk about this, but you know what you brought up, Lawrence, is also relevant to a show that I do on Fridays called Callus Row, which is a long form uh, VR chat world where there's five or there's four fully fleshed out world maps in VR chat that are like three or four times the size of a normal VR chat map. And it's populated with over 120 role players that are all playing their own characters um, that have their own wants and needs and flaws and everything. And the dynamic that evolves between everyone is it's basically set in like a, a shadow run um, kind of uh, uh, kind of cyberpunk world where, you know, the corporate layer and the upper city kind of runs everything and everyone below is kind of at their whim, but trying to, you know, rise up in some way. Um, and so, when I was cast in this, you know, like 16 weeks ago, I think, uh, I was cast as one of the corporate characters. And so originally, I'm meant to be an antagonistic character. And so I had to think carefully about how I would play them so that it would give, you know, opportunities for character growth and role play for other players that were, you know, below me on the, you know, the corporate ladder, but then also retain, like being true to myself, where if someone wronged me, like what I said, an assassin. Would I like chastise them? Like you know, what would the the actual repercussions be? Um, so yeah, there's it's a it's a that's why I love role play partly is because I think there's so many interesting dynamics that also factor into real life interactions and how we are empathetic to other people as well as um, try to build them up or even tear mm-hmm. them down, but do that in a way that they can use and and grow from <laughs> rather than like just you know feel bad about themselves yeah i uh lawrence and i have had this conversation a number of times um but 
doing Funhouse gameplays was a sort of RP. Mm. Um, we all had to sort of take particular roles that we knew worked for comedy. Sure. Um, and, you know, like, uh, I many times I played the dumb one, right? Like somebody would be like, hey, your password can't be one, two, three, four, five, six. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, like get defensive. Yeah. Um, even though obviously in real life, yes, I knew. And that's the, <laughs> it, it was kind of a weird thing um, to have that reflected on you personally. Uh, <laughs> later on in life, people thinking that it was the real you. Yeah. Um, and so that's, it's a, I don't know if you ever get that. Like, I, I think there's probably more of a separation with your characters, Craig. And it's easier versus- when you're, in an avatar or doing a right. voice or have some separation from you. But I can't imagine how difficult it would be to have produced the amount of content you guys are producing back then and be on camera and like that all feeling like a continuous person to the viewers. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, no, totally right. Watching and yeah. tracking that same person through all these things. Um, I definitely get that sometimes in a, like conventions at like meet and greets at like, you know, TwitchCon or whatever, where I'm like doing signings and like someone will come up to me and <laughs> they're just like, they're like terrified because I'm like much taller than they expected. And I'm like, oh yeah, like much more like kind of uh, attentive. Like I, I'm like making eye contact and like kind of paying attention to them. It must be like, too. like huge. <laughs> Super ripped. Kraken's very yeah. imposing. Oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm massive. Nobody um, knows that. The camera shaves yeah. off at least 50 pounds of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's always interesting to see when people meet you in person and like you get the same comments like, oh, you're, you know, like, you know, not what I expected. Like you're, you're like, there's like a lot of like, su- yeah. like subtext you read into as they just kind of know you as this like funny voice on the internet, right? That's it's, uh, it's it's very strange. Sorry, go ahead, Lawrence. No, no, no. Uh, I I was just gonna. I think I completely lost my point already. I was. It's just like a, it's a bit of projection in a weird way. Is it's it's. Uh, I'm fascinated by what happens when people get things that have gaps in them, because th- their brains automatically fill in those gaps, and that that takes place over so many, so many different forms of like reading a book versus watching a movie. You know, your your brain automatically without you ha- even having to ask it forms these mental images of what characters look like or what interiors look like. And that's why like translations are always so hard because people bring in the world that they created in their head to the world that somebody else created from their head and tried to express. And I feel like part of that is is what happens in like parasocial relationships too. Uh, is yeah. that, yeah, some you, you see a whole lot of somebody, but you don't see it all. And your brain automatically fills in some gaps in the background about what their personality might be like or what they're going to be like in person. And yeah, it's it is. It's funny you mentioned that, Kraken, because I feel like uh, and Bruce and I, you know, we spent tons of tons of time and have these like weird compartmentalized moments with members of the audience from like meet and greets and signings and things like that. And yeah, like seeing people sort of accept what is versus what they were expecting is an interesting process to see happen. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, a lot of I would say like eighty percent of what I did during uh, those things was like convinced like trying to make people not nervous and then yep. also like yeah guiding them through the the like i can't believe you're really here and then, then like processing yep. the wow you look different <laughs> like all that stuff is <laughs> yeah there's like it, it's like the stages of grief almost but like of, of meeting someone you're like <laughs> yeah. you get really practiced at at helping them through that and then trying to give them a good interaction and then the limited time you have so that they you know they feel some fulfillment and not embarrassment because god i hate the idea of like someone 
meeting you and then not knowing what to say and then leaving and being like, I fucked it up. Having regrets. I lost, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I screwed yeah. up my one shot. And so I'm like, you know, you, you try to help them uh, get what they want, the sentiment they wanted to express out, you know, in a, in a timely manner. <laughs> what a What a crazy... What a what a what a weird position to be in. Because like I get nervous during social encounters, but for some reason, knowing that somebody else is even more nervous would bring like calm into me. I don't oh, know yeah. why. Because you have like, to be the stabilizing right. force. My role like, here is not, to be stable. Yeah, totally. I I that actually speaking of like personal growth, going to conventions and meeting people was probably one of the best ways of making me a more confident extroverted person is like you have to be if you're not like able to help them have a conversation or help spur the conversation on um or like make them feel at ease at least in the conversation then uh it will fall flat and then both of you will be uncomfortable and then uh you know <laughs> you'll just hide in the bar the entire convention and although i did that anyway for other reasons um, <laughs> i was still you know it's good to be able to have those those talks this is this is something that has come up a lot. Uh, I've seen people talking about online after a year of being inside uh, mm. from the from the pandemic. A lot of people are like, um, "Oh, well, how, you know, how do I reintegrate back into society, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera?" And I'm an extroverted person, always have been. I'm not like Lawrence. I do not get nervous at social encounters, mainly because I have just always been socialized. When I was just, you know, I was like a little little tiny baby. My parents were taking me everywhere. And I was always with people. And by the way, this is not a good or bad thing. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the way I was brought up. So when I have uh, encounters at parties or conventions or whatever, I love it. Uh, I, it is it absolutely gives me my energy. So um, my advice for people that want to, to not be as nervous in social encounters, this is something, again, I, it's a question I see a lot. It's always like, well, how do I do this? Um, is number one, go out and do things. Like really get yourself out there. Uh, I know it's going to take a lot of courage um, for you and uh, pride yourself on that. If you if you get out and go to a party and you and you're, you're like you didn't want to because you're nervous about the social interactions, it takes a pride in that. Like it takes it takes real courage to do that. And then when you get there um, and, you know, you're talking to people, whatever, and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're looking at my nose. They're looking at my legs. They're looking at my, you know, my disgusting mouth or whatever. Uh, the, everyone's feeling the same thing. Um, there isn't anybody there that is not self-conscious about some part of themselves. Mm -hmm. We all have disgusting uh, mouths. We all have disgusting mouths, uh, <laughs> especially Kraken. Um, How's a and <laughs> going in on this guy today? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, no, actually, the reason I brought up mouths is because I would occasionally get a cold sore. I get a cold sore once a year. I've had the stupid fucking herpes simplex virus since I was five. And uh, I get a cold sore every single year. And so whenever I get those and I have to go talk to people, Oh my gosh, it makes me mm -hmm. so self-conscious and I hate it. Um, I don't want to see anybody. I don't look at anybody. It's it's exactly the opposite of my personality. Um, that's the reason I brought it up. Regardless, um, it's it's one of those things where if you are talking to people, everyone's in the same boat. We're all kind of like feeling social, like really self-conscious. And we're, we're like, oh, did I say the right thing? Did I say the wrong thing? Like, I'm not sure. And there is common ground there. You can You can find that common ground with people. You can bring that up and be like, isn't this kind of weird how this happened or I said this one thing and like maybe they'll feel that way. Maybe they won't, but they might there might be something there uh, for you to for you to uh, to notice. I don't know. It's it's really I, I it makes me excited to see people want to want to go out and do things again. And um, 
And I always, I always say, hey, be brave, but also pride yourself on that bravery. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Right on. Uh, Bruce. Never really yes, got sir. To What's a life lesson that a video game has taught you? Man, this is a, I was, I've been thinking about it for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> and I have the perfect answer. Mm. And that answer is, this podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. <laughs> oh, I'll answer after this. I'll answer after that. Uh, this, this podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. Yes, that's right. NordVPN is sponsoring the podcast. It's one of the major reasons we're doing it today is because of NordVPN. So if you go to NordVPN.com slash talk to internet uh, and click the link there, it says get NordVPN plus gift. Um, you will get a, I believe it's a two year plan uh, plus one month free, 70% off. It's $3.56 a month for a VPN. Now, if you don't know what a VPN is, I'm going to tell you. Uh, basically, a VPN protects you and your internet connection. Uh, it hides your IP and it routes your internet connection through a bunch of other servers, uh, either across whatever country you're living in or the world. Um, and uh, there is no data logging with NordVPN. They have about 5,500 servers across 60 countries. Uh, you can unlock Netflix and uh, other VODs. If you're, you know, if those are region locked, you can then route your internet connection through uh, another proxy server in another country, and then you can watch Netflix uh, from the UK or whatever like that. Um, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Um, protect your data while traveling or you're in public, like if you're at the airport or a coffee shop and you're using uh, your laptop, you can turn on the VPN there and it'll protect you there as well. Um, they have a Nordlynx technology, which makes, which makes a faster connection with this VPN, because that's another thing that people always talk about is using a VPN will slow down their connection a little bit. Uh, NordVPN is trying to remedy that problem with Nordlynx. Uh, they have 24-7 customer support. It works even in China, if you're going to China. Um, up to six simultaneous connections, and it's genuinely very, very easy to use. You just install it on your computer. There's a, literally a one button that you just click, and it's like VPN on, and then you're done. Um, and then if you want to, you can go on there and configure which server you're routing through, et cetera. But if you just want to turn on a VPN, uh, you just click on and you're good to go. So again, uh, sponsored by NordVPN, nordvpn.com slash talk to internet. Uh, the links should be going in both Lawrence and my chat. Uh, if you want to click that link and, uh, sign up for NordVPN again, they are the sponsor of talk to the internet and one of the major reasons we're doing the podcast. So thank you again, NordVPN for sponsoring. Thank you, Nord. Did I just leak yeah. IP? Yes. I mean, external IP, whatever. It's probably not that hard to find. So um, if we get DDoS now, it's NordVPN, or it's the lack of NordVPN that's causing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. They're, uh, we've, we've been sponsored with them for years now at this point. So um, check them out. Yeah. Uh, I, see, I see a lot of people asking, hey, how do we support the podcast? How do we get the, uh, you know, more of these podcasts? Uh, made by you guys and the answer is to use that sponsorship mm -hmm. that's how you do it and here's um, a fun bit too um i know yeah. that i know that people like to get really pissed off about like data collection efforts and stuff like that a vpn will wrench all that up all of it um you know depending on what you sign into and where but like if, if you're if you're dodgy about the epic game store or any other like game clients sending your data or packaging it up or anything like that a vpn won't stop that from happening but it will confuse the data collection efforts so uh depending on how you set it up the uh, the data they collect from you like it'll seem like it's coming from multiple different people so that's 
you can feel like you can feel like you're sticking it to the man a little bit, taking their free video games and not giving them any user data in response. <laughs> yeah, got him. <laughs> um, why does this is an interesting thing from your chats? Is one, why does Bruce always say one of the reasons we do this podcast rather than one of the reasons we get to do this podcast? Hmm. I'm not sure how, how much of, how much of a difference is there. I think I can cut it. Well, it's because uh, I'm gonna maybe I'm assuming a lot here. Sure, sure, but. The phrasing makes it sound obligatory. Maybe that's what they're getting at. You're making it I, I sound mean, like I, we have to do it because we're sponsored. I mean, the thing is, is that in this case, we were sponsored. Let's see here. We did four of these ad reads across four months. And that's why I was saying one of the reasons we are doing this podcast today is because of the sponsor read. And um, it's an interesting thing that you bring up, Aroni, because we we were doing this podcast every week. We did it every week for about, was it 40 weeks, 45 weeks? Um and we all got really busy. <laughs> um, and it became a thing that we needed to uh, prioritize other things. Um, and that's the way it goes. Uh, that's just sort of like what happens. But if we have a sponsorship, um, if we have something that will be able to uh, pay us for our time, then we will absolutely be able to do this podcast more. So that's that's why I say that. That's why I say it that way. Not because, and obviously, yeah, of course we get to do this podcast. We would love to do this podcast. But we get really busy. All of us are doing 1,000 other things. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's yeah. the the act. Um, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here. The, the act of getting together and talking <laughs> is trivial. It's uh, it's the recording. It's the editing. It's the volume balancing. It's the setting up the overlay. It's the it's the streaming to restream. It's getting the ad notes ready. It's talking to the clients like that. That does take time. Um, and it's memorizing the script. Yeah, memorizing the script. Uh, <laughs> Kraken writes a very long script every yeah. podcast, and and I am up. I am up until I want to say four a.m. the the night before with just a pounding migraine oh. trying to get it all in. Lawrence, you're up till five a.m. Read it again. <sighs> Shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. I tried so right. hard. That's right. All right, I'll get it next time. I'll get it next time. Yeah. Listen, just between here, let me mute Kraken real quick. Okay. Oh just damn! Be, just between you. That works. Just between. <laughs> well, he's, still, he's not muted. He's not muted. No, to the muted. audience. We can hear him, but the audience oh. can't hear him. Right now. Um, <laughs> okay. That you know, just FYI, that's lights for the bit. Um, <laughs> Kraken is. I'm not trying to cancel him. Kraken's very abusive on set. If you don't Whoa. get those notes, he's on set. We we're all in our own respective homes. What set? <laughs> when. <sighs> Thank God the audience can't hear him right now, but I know because he's doing true. it. Again. I saw him raise his. He saw him raise his arms and yell. <laughs> oh yeah, it was really scary. He's very protective. Seven foot script. five tall Kraken, this yeah. fucking Goliath. So every time <laughs> I do this podcast, there's a fair amount of trauma that I have to process, and it, it just keeps coming back. So you know, there's a we're all giving chunks of ourselves out here on the internet. That's all I'm saying. Um, and I some of that. us have to have to deal with getting yelled at for not memorizing a, a 200 page script the night before. <laughs> Anyway, let me unmute Kraken now. There we go. Okay, unmute yeah. him. And okay. Kraken, how do you feel about that? I mean, about what? He I, didn't hear anything. Oh, I love dead. and support you guys as friends, and I'm so glad we can do this podcast together. Hey, thanks. That's great. No one's gonna believe. Um, no one's gonna believe it now. He's so nice. <laughs> Just uh, back to that point to Roroni in your chat said, it, which is important because he said, "I guess that makes more sense." It's hard to tell how busy you guys are sometimes. Mm. That's this is a question that I get. I mean, on the daily on Twitch, which is what? What else are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm and I'm always like, what? Do you, huh? What do you mean? What else am I doing? Like, I'm here eight hours a day or whatever. Um, yeah, but, but you're just playing video games, Bruce. 
All you're, that's all you're doing. You're just playing video games and taking people's money. Yeah, that's not work. How is that creative, and, Bruce? What happened to your spirit? What happened? When are you going to make a palace for me? A palace of content that I can walk around in? What happened to your spirit? I mean, and by the way, Roni, none of this is directed at you. Ruoni, yeah, no. This, um, this is this, these are just questions we get all the time, and uh, I'm not going to speak for Kraken here, but I am going to speak for Kraken. Kraken. <laughs> Is in like very Everyone's very speaking busy. for me today. Kraken <laughs> is actually very very busy, and he's putting together huge projects, stuff that take months or years of development. And uh, like Kraken's kind of the type of guy that I've been looking to to be like, hey, you know what? Eventually, I would like to get there as well. Just so you know, Kraken, I look up to you. Um, uh, thank you. Yeah. Bruce. Um, so, but you don't ever see what he does. Like you may see one stream or two streams or whatever that he puts together. That's like, oh, that was so cool but it took him months or years to get there. Uh, and that's how everything works in terms of content, other than like, you know, your daily Twitch stream where I fire up Subnautica. And even then, I, that takes some planning. But uh, um, when we're putting together huge streams like the fucking airplane stream I did last year or whatever, that took me months. That took, you know, almost a year of planning. Um, so yeah, it's it's a strange thing that we don't, uh, I, wish we could, I wish we could show you all the things that we're planning that Lawrence and I, are pitching or Kraken is pitching or whatever else. Uh, but sometimes those just fall through mm. and then hours of work mm -hmm. are gone. So a good point. I mean, this is true for all streamers, but um, when we take time off, most of that time, well, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of the time of a day that we're taking off and not streaming is also spent preparing for future streams, be that you know, oh, setting yeah. up and testing new games, new yes. overlays, mm -hmm. new formats, new, you know, scheduling. Scheduling takes forever. If you're like, you know, a streamer that plays with other people a lot, then it's almost impossible to schedule multiple streamers on, on different days. So <laughs> um, it is like, oh boy. Yeah, I just get stressed thinking about it. It's like, you know, even <laughs> when you're like taking your, your, you know, let's say you have a certain amount of hours per week you're trying to stream, your day off is also spent, you know, about the same time uh, as you would be streaming, preparing for other streams. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff behind the scenes for everybody, uh, regardless of kind of the extent that they want to do it. Um, but, you know, that's, it's, a, it's a good time. Circling all the way back to uh, this initial question, that's the reason why I'm saying that the sponsorship is uh, letting us do this podcast, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't do it. Um, we'd be busy, we'd be caught up in our own thing. Uh, some weeks we're able to do it on our own without a sponsor, but um, this week's in particular, it was because, oh, we have, we have a sponsor. So that that'll give us a reason to do this podcast. That's, that's why we're here. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah. it I, I it's tough to talk about it in those terms because there is, I think, a vital core of online content creation that is kind of thrives on it feeling spontaneous and impromptu. And it's easy like the any mass any master or anyone who's skilled at something will make it look easy but that's the the virtue of years of of experience uh working so when you see something online and it looks effortless that's only because somebody put in the absolute bulk of time to make it seem effortless in execution yeah. and the tragedy point. is that the better you are at your job the less obvious it is that you've done anything yeah. at all <laughs> that's very true oh uh -huh. god that's true yeah that's uh -huh. man that's sometimes sometimes and and i take the i take the uh, opportunities when i can get them because I, I, I fight myself about being conceited about the work I do. But yeah, there were, there were just massive loads of work that I've put in on, on you know, projects at Funhouse or Inside Gaming before that. Or even now that like just 
it's just what you do. And it's not visible and it's not public, but it is time away from streams. I mean, even for this podcast, you know, just exporting it, it's an hour and a half at like 1080p. That takes my computer about an hour and a half to do, which, you know, is better than it used to be. But still, that's that's like, if this machine is doing something other than sending, uh, you know, weird uh, intellectual monologues out to the internet over, you know, <laughs> cyberpunk gameplay, that's that's revenue <laughs> I'm not getting. So yeah. when you start to think about it in terms of a business, then the cost, it's it's so silly because a podcast is just bros talking and hanging out, right? But there is there is a business cost to the product, and it is downtime for your machine. It's downtime for talking about you know like Bruce arranging ad deals and stuff like that. When he's sending emails back and forth to a client about you know NordVPN ads, that's him not having uptime on Twitch, uh, you know, making revenue. So yeah, I like talking about that stuff because it normalizes it as a job. I think it also sets the expectation that if you want to get into it, it's not all fun and games either. Um, but it, it does take away the magic a little bit, I think. And so that's, that's an interesting line to walk. I, I like to, I like to be very transparent about it. That's why I addressed that in particular question, because I, w I want people to know that, you know, yes, of course, part of this is us making a living and wanting to be, uh, I guess like wanting to be paid for our time. And this is something that I like to tell every single person out there in chat, especially is you know, like if people are going to be like, hey, you know, do this work for free and you know you're good at it or you know you're getting good at it or something. And they're like, oh, you know, just do a few of these for free. And then, you know, eventually we'll pay you. Be careful because eventually you're going to get to a spot where you're like, wait a minute, this shit, this shit I, I'm doing, I should be getting paid for this because I'm good at this. This is a skill I have. It's also generating um, money for someone else. That always. Yeah. <laughs> that always. So remember that. Um, don't ever take your time for granted because... It is truly worth something. Uh, you just got to figure out how much it's worth. And that that's tough. That could be really yeah. tough. Yeah, that's really tough. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Craig, and it's funny you bring up taking a vacation or whatever. Someone, uh, the Lost of Leco mentioned it in chat, but yeah, I took a I took a day off on Monday, and I was excited because I had a list of things to do, and it was it was fun and intellectually stimulating to do something other, you know, do something other than what I usually mm -hmm. do. But, you know, it was still work. It was still solving problems. It was, you know, hunched over stream elements, getting everything working and re-adding like 250 sub duplicate sub rules because that's how I do it now, which is why yeah. I, I really want some yeah. kind of automated process. But, oh, man, that uh, that that Chrome that Chrome tab was crippling by the end of it. So I need to add a couple more. But that was partly why I mean, that was why I had the whole thing originally commissioned the the app I sent you was like, yeah, we, I wanted to have true random, you know, effects played of a massive scale. And, uh, it was not feasible to actually upload each of those with the current, you know, third party tools. So it's like, guess I'll make my own and, you know, it's worked out pretty well, but, um, yeah, man, no, I, there's part of the cool part about this job is we're like constantly, you know, even if it's just like to keep the ball rolling, we're like doing minor innovations of our own style in order to like fix pain points. And unfortunately, we don't have the time to make them like fixable long term. They're usually just kind of like little band aid solutions. But um, I think understanding what those pain points are in the future, and then there can be like a a setup either you know, what I'm trying to do with my company or, you know, with, uh, you know, partnering with another company 
being able to fix those for the long term, I think will, you know, drastically improve quality of life for both streamers and viewers um, in the next coming years. So I don't know. I, I, I realized that none of that was very general and didn't really mean anything. But uh, the I guess what I'm saying is like the the pain points that we're finding as entertainers are really valuable. And I think we should like be very uh, thoughtful on how we recognize them and then tell each other about them because, you know, it might be that I have found a solution for one of the pain points that you have, Lawrence, that you didn't know about or just kind of took for granted. And I might yeah. be able to help you with that. And, you know, same for Bruce. Like, maybe he's found, like, a, a really smooth way of, you know, pulling off a, a pre-show into transition, into show, into post-show that is, like, mm -hmm. very comfortable and, and, you know, his viewers really love. If, like, I am struggling with, you know doing that than maybe, you know, talking with you. Like, I, I don't know. In general, I feel like if streamers communicate more and, like, share their their cool. their troubles, I think we could all help uplift each other a bit more. Um, no, you're right. we're all siloed in our own little entertainment bubble, you know? No, you're right. It's tempting to think about it as zero-sum a little bit. That, you know, you build up your own little garden. And if you mm. if you mess with the, uh, the ecology too much that everyone will leave or, or something like that, I don't know. I think it does come down to having faith that, you know, you are a, a good entertainer or a good producer and that being being open with what you have will only increase your bounty on this earth instead of lessen it. But yeah, it's it is like it's it's such a solitary job. I think it's pretty easy to get in that mindset that you yeah, you are your own kingdom and any problems you have, you have to solve under your own weight. I mean, I'm, I'm used yeah. to kind of operating that way in general, um, which is not the best. Collaboration is, is delightful. <laughs> It really yeah. is. <laughs> it's, how, I, it's how anything of value gets done. That's for right. a long time right. um, in my life, I was of the mindset that like my ideas were precious, and if I shared them with anyone, then you know they would go and, and make them, and 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 then I would get nothing, and like I, I have to I have to keep everything to myself, and I gotta make it myself, and that's the only way I can ever make anything, and that is so unrealistic and so twisted. Of like, it's so hard to ever imagine a way that would actually have worked out. So I'm really glad that, you know, for one way or another, I've I've opened up in trusting others and bringing them in and getting them excited about stuff. And then, you know, they add their own take and their own, you know, spin on the thing that I was excited about. And then it's improved by that. And, you know, it's not just a, a like, auteur style, like, you know, this is what my vision is and what it has to be. It's, it's a, a conversation because, like, you know, things kind of evolve over time, right? So bringing more people in on it makes it better. I uh, I always, when we talk about, the, I think this particular subject, I always think of music. So hmm. people always pe people always talk about, um, oh, my favorite genre is, let's just say it's classic rock. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like rock and roll was the best in, from 1975 to 1983 or whatever. Um, and I'm always like, really? Was that, can you, can you quantify that? And, they're like, well, no, my favorite genre is jazz. Jazz could only be, you know, like it's perfect because it's all improv and whatever. And the fact of the matter is the way music becomes better or different is through collaboration. It's through mm -hmm. fusions of other styles of music. Yeah. And um, so it's really cool to see uh, there's a band called The Who, which is the H.U., and they've like mm. it's basically like Mongolian throat singing. Oh, I love that. Coupled, yeah. coupled with like fucking metal. And yeah. it's awesome. Um and that's the kind of thing that may not have been possible 50 years ago, but now it is because we're there's more collaboration. We can all do this over the internet. So there's it's 
way faster to do it. And, and more and more fusion makes uh, newer styles of music, stuff that we've never heard before. And I'm, I'm always about embracing the new, obviously loving the old, because I'm a big fan of lots of old music, of course. But I don't know that we can all we can all say, well, music attained perfection with the Beatles one album. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, like it's it's only getting better and better. And it's the same with everything else, uh, especially creatively. I think that um, in, in the creative arts, whether or not it's movies or television or, you know, uh, obviously paintings or that sort of thing that I know way less about. You only get better with with collaboration and fusion. So. Well said. Oh, Bruce. Your uh, your life changing gaming experience. Oh right, yes. Okay, Lawrence. Yeah, the second question it. of the day. Gonna You're gonna hate, hate this. this. Uh oh. You're gonna hate it. So, uh -oh. um, I because I thought about this and I was like, what story have I experienced in games that really made me reflect on something? And I could not think of one. I mean, like I loved, <laughs> I loved God of War 2018. I loved that story. Uh, I may have taken a lesson or or two away from that, but I don't remember it. Oh, I don't think it has to be like a game's narrative, just an, a oh, life experience okay. connected to gaming. Oh. Cause like, yeah, it's oh, rare that it's a narrative. Yeah. Kraken's yeah. wasn't like a, Oh, this, this honestly, I, I think that most game narratives could probably do something for you if you're like 18, but there aren't that many games <laughs> written for somebody with an adult's, you know, experience in the world. Okay. All right. That's just well, my that's, take. That, that's e that's way easier than for me. I'll say it differently. Um, I'll say it less pretentiously. Most games are written to be accessible. There we go. So, no, yeah, they totally are. I because I, I was I was actually I think enforcing on myself a rule where I was like, mm. find a lesson that you took away from a move or a game narrative like you would a movie or a television yeah. television show. That's a bit. And harder. I couldn't. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't unfortunately. <laughs> um, but in terms of lessons that I learned from video games, I've talked about this a hundred times, but I'll I'll say it over and over, and uh, I don't know that. I want to make sure that it's it's important that people hear this, which is uh, my best friend moved away uh, from my hometown when I or my the town I lived in when I was 18. He went into the Air Force. Dan um, uh, Lawrence has met him. I don't I can't remember if Craig has met him, but uh, he moved away when I was 18, went into the Air Force and he moved to Alaska and I lived in uh, Santa Barbara. I was like, well, I don't know what the fuck. We're, how are we going to keep in contact? We're best friends. What are we going to do? Uh, we played Counter-Strike um, every single day. Uh, we, and this was before basically like nobody really used TeamSpeak or vent or any of that bullshit. So I had a cell phone with a little, uh, with one of those one earbud microphone thing mm -hmm. that you could plug in to your phone and I would call them and we'd be on a call for three hours and do call outs playing Counter-Strike. And, uh, this is how we've kept in contact for the last 20 years. Um, wow. and it's awesome. Like it's, uh, he's my, he was the best man at my wedding. Uh, Dan and I continue to be each other's huge support and, um, just generally best friends, even, you know, he still lives far away, but not as far, thankfully. And, uh, we, we still keep in contact because of playing video games over the course of 20 years. And that's something that I don't know that a lot of people realize that they're doing is like, if you've had a friend for, you know, five, 10, 15 years, that you maybe even met online and you just play games with them all the time. That's a serious relationship that you've gotten into. You probably learned a lot about those people. And uh, that's amazing that I could do that because of video games. I'm, I'm so excited about that because I don't know what else would have gotten me there if it mm -hmm. weren't for video games, right? It wouldn't have been like television or movies. You didn't do that. You didn't sit down and watch television or movies with other people on the phone as often as you would play video games or whatever. So I don't know. 
Cool. Mm. That's a that's yeah. a very heartwarming story. I feel oh, like great. yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel like uh I feel like video games have probably affected more people's lives on a fundamental basis because of things like that. Because mm-hmm. of human connections made outside the game versus the story told inside the game. Yeah. Um but it's like a know. medium for human connection rather than a lesson in its own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a very heartwarming story. Um, <laughs> sorry, that sounded a little a little condescending or a little no, not at all. I guess. No, I I, I thought it was very uh, very sincere and nice. Okay, you. Sometimes I hear myself talking. I'm like, Ugh, what are you doing, man? Um, no, no, no. Now that you know Dan, <laughs> yeah, you, can, you really you can really relate to that story. Be like, yeah. oh shit, yeah, that's cool. Dan's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the thing, um, I guess I guess my turn. Hmm. I don't know why my mind's dwelling on this right now, but it is. So I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, for me, I think it was uh, playing fighting games competitively, like in person for the first time. I, I mean, I would grow up playing Street Fighter, you know, against the CPU or whatever. Um, also, Sakura, what do you mean I can't see it? We, we're looking at chat. Come on now. now we're lo- we're looking right at it, Sakura. I, I can see it. Called out. Called out. <laughs> um, ah, yeah, yeah. So I was playing against other people, right? And... Um, uh, it, it was the nexus of a, a lot of things. It was a very good learning experience, even though I don't know that I reacted to it very well, but that's part of the learning experience. There were a couple of things like just the way that like the way, you know, people are different than machines. This is not, this is not new information, but I would play against people like they were machines. You know, I would, I would look for mm. patterns and try to exploit them and that works to a degree, but then people would just do shit that makes no fucking sense. Uh, except, you know, they're people. So maybe they were, they had learned me. And they were learning how to play me, but that oh. that was very frustrating. It's just I would and and to some degree it was it was a good learning experience because it it does teach you that like other people aren't working with your data set. They're not working with your brain. So you can approach a situation and think, well, clearly there's one optimal move here. There's only one thing that any thinking player would do in this moment. And then your opponent doesn't do that thing. And you're like, what the fuck? And it just completely throws everything off. But it was very good to like, yeah, to learn that I can't in the in the ether of my own brain divine what somebody else is going to do and then the other thing it really helped me with is just losing in general uh mm. was not a good loser um and me yeah either lawrence me either. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. something i still struggle with but i think i've gotten better at it uh but kind of, bruce I'm what you were saying loser. about like just immersing yourself in it um losing a lot will make you better at losing uh so going through that was pretty sure. valuable but it i did i did behave rather embarrassingly sometimes I don't know that I ever like got like personally insulting or whatever, but I would just like I would just give up in the middle of matches or I would just kind of like mm-hmm. quit for the day and, and like my bros were still playing and I would just get so frustrated at either my own inability to play or what I perceived to be just random BS that was like working against me. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, so it was it was very educational. I, lo- I love it when you do something and then. It's not necessarily the feedback in the world or in other people, but the feedback you get about yourself is confusing mm-hmm. and tough to to sort of incorporate. And yeah, playing games competitively, fighting games against other people, taught me a lot about myself. Uh, it makes me wonder. I, I should go back to it and see how I react to it now. I did play some like some Street Fighter Five and some Mortal Kombat Eleven online, and I could take I could take losses online pretty well, uh, at least better than I used to. So maybe I've grown in that regard. <laughs> Kraken, are you good at losing? I'm a great loser. <laughs> I think, Why is you know, that? I practice think I makes that, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm not very competitive. Like, I, I'm more in it for the experience than the, you know, the victory. 
Royale. So when uh, when if I lose, I'm I'm just kind of nonplussed about it. Um, what does bother me is sore winners. Yes, that those is are the worst. My single biggest yep. pet peeve. I think yes. it is yes. awful. And I for against my better judgment started. Uh, I redownloaded Dota recently after watching Ooh. the freaking anime on Netflix, oh, no. and I started playing with my buddy Strippin and a couple of their friends. Um, and that is the game for sore winners. There is no better place <laughs> to find the dregs, the dregs of the earth, than to rediscover Dota after five years of playing other, you know, better games, and then to just lose over and over again. People that have never stopped playing it, and then to see without fail. At the end of the game, they they just have to get some little like screw you, you're bad yep. in after they've already beaten you. It's like what is what what I I cannot for the life of me wrap my head around what sort of people need that endorphin rush, except for people that are so hollowed husks <laughs> from playing this game that whenever they get an inch of endorphins, they have to just drain it for all it's worth by just you know, pounding on it over and over again. I got to win. I got to win. I got to win. And That's they like right. just right. just knead into it like dough. It's just, oh. It's the cycle oh, of toxicity, Kraken. It's because they, right. they got beaten by smug They're trying winners, to make so me them, and I, won't, I winner. won't fall to their level, you know? Hmm. I won't do it. Well, that's a that's a really shitty way to be. Uh, I'll just say that right now. If you're out there being a, if a, a bad winner, then I don't necessarily think you're being a good person. I, I, think, you, I think you probably need to reevaluate if you're bragging to somebody after beating them, um, I think if you beat them, it's one of those things totally fine to celebrate to your, you know, to yourself and even to your teammates and be like, man, good win, whatever. But don't go after the opponent. Don't go after the person you just beat. You beat them. You, your, your, uh, your performance speaks for itself. Um, and you don't need to brag. Uh, and, and, and by the way, that's like, and I've, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, well, Michael Jordan did it. You ain't Michael Jordan, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't Michael Jordan. Oof. And like, there are only a very few people on the internet that I feel like if they were out there being bad winners or whatever, then all right, dude, like if you're fucking Trout or something, but like, you're not. <laughs> the person that Kraken got beaten by in Dota isn't Trout. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, yeah, you know, just to, uh, just be cool. Be cool after you win. Take the win, and, and and be like, "Yo, that's that's I I did good," um, rather than being uh, rather than being like a total dick to the people around you. Also, it's gatekeeping. Just so you know, um, if you're uh, shitting on people who you beat in Dota, they the you're gatekeeping the content, and you're gonna have less opponents there to play for sure over time. I mean, yeah, that's the biggest problem with the, those games, and I think the the devs have. I want to say tried to do something to combat it, but I don't think it's enough or there is something wrong with the formula. I don't know what it is, but it these games like MOBA games just, you know, they they attract like 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 fucking flies to to vinegar. Like, you know, it, I guess I, you know it's, it's honey, but I felt like vinegar is more apt. They, that makes they, sense. Yeah. yeah, they I don't know what it is. It's like I guess it's they feel because they have gone through the salt mines and 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 become hardened, you know, husks of people that they must reciprocate this to the the new up and coming, you know, populace, right? They've got to reinforce this, you know, cycle of negativity in order to justify what they have gone through rather than help change the culture to not 
be so painful. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's just the human condition, right? Is, you know, if we've gone through trauma, we want to, like, people want to justify that trauma by putting other people through it, which is <laughs> twisted. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I've break, broke, managed to break that cycle on my own, you know, personally. But I guess it's harder for people that spend so much time in stuff like Dota. But it, I guess it's also, like, willing. You willingly put yourself through that. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I, Definitely I think some it's, masochism uh, in there. I, I believe that it's done on purpose. I, I mean, some people are very aware of the fact that it's gatekeeping and they like it that way. Right. Um, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. One of the first MOBA matches I ever played. No, nah, I think it was like the second or third. But um, somebody just straight up told to me in like in full words, and I'll remember this. Uh, they just basically said, if you don't already know how to play, we don't want you here. Um, because I was I was ruining their match because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So yeah. so people like an individual player yeah. doesn't give a shit about the growth of the scene as long as they have enough people to play against. So they mm-hmm. don't really see it as a negative that the game doesn't grow because they want to have good matches with people who know how to play. So I, totally. I can kind of get that mentality, you know, um, and I think it starts a larger, more interesting discussion about when people are allowed to gatekeep and when they shouldn't be. I, I, I well, think that, that kind of falls into that But same. then that, that brings up, okay, so then there's like a ranking system where it'll try to match you against people of your own skill level and with your people of your own skill level. And that's all well and good until you start losing against those people. <laughs> and then you're like, well, now I can't win. I got to go make a new account and start playing against the lower levels again so I can feel good about myself. And then that the starts the cycle over again where you're right. just shitting on people that, are in the correct pool of talent because they're new, but you're now going to prey on them like a predator. And yep. so, like, that's kind of the situation we were in last time we played. Like, I, I my buddy, I think he might be streaming it again today. You know, God bless him. But <laughs> stripping, uh, I think he did like a, must have been like a 12 or 15 hour stream of Dota the other day where I think oh he, they got, gosh. they got, I mean, my the first turned. time they streamed it, he I got know. zero wins, zero. Oh. The next After day, fifteen hours. I think he got three or two. Oh, both of them combined was like probably a twenty to thirty hour stream total. And oh my gosh! And the 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 I mean, this is partly just the person he is. Like once he is dedicated to improving and beating a system, he will just keep <laughs> forcing the punishment on himself until he does it. Um, <laughs> And he's, he has improved a lot because he has to, but, like, it's also, yeah. you know, at what cost, you know? At what cost? You, you just got to wonder. So, well, <laughs> I don't know. I just wonder about that a lot. Back to your point, when Kraken, when you were saying, like, you know, people are shitting on you. Or, no, it was Lawrence's point, where people are shitting on you because you're bad at the game and, and they're on your team. It's like, I didn't choose to be with you, dude. Like, the video game put me here. Like, I, it's not like I was like, I want to be with these people so I can fuck them up. It's like, no, dude, I, I like, yes, I would absolutely love to not play with you right now <laughs> because you're being an asshole. Um, I would love to play with anybody else. But right now I don't have a choice. So like you, you are put together by the video game. So I feel like we should all just be like, hey, you know what? Ah, whatever. No big deal. <laughs> like, you know what? We'll get them next time type thing. And then you'll never yeah. see each other again. Uh, rather than being like, I can't believe you're so bad at this. It's like, I didn't have a choice. I didn't want to be on your team either. That's what I love bringing up in those circumstances is like, well, matchmaking put us together. So I guess you're not as good as you think. Yeah. That's always like whenever I get salty messages after a fighting game match of somebody like calling me. My favorite is when you win and then somebody calls you trash. And then you're just like, well, sorry, dog. The matchmaking thought you were trash too, I guess. 
That's always how I close down those conversations. <laughs> that's actually a really good point. I never that's even the, thought uh, about that. You got to think. I gotta remember that. Yeah. One. yeah. How, how does it feel to get to get matchmaked with somebody who just installed the game? How does that feel? Because that's pretty <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> Oh, I mean, if some if somebody's gonna try to get under, like that's the other thing that I kind of learned about myself when I was I was doing fighting games is like I would do what I thought was trash talk, and it would really fucking piss people off. And I was yeah. like, oh, I thought we were just. I thought we were just trading blows here, but apparently I went way too personal, way too fast. I, don't, I guess. So, huh. yeah, I don't think I ever really d- developed no, that skill. So that's why I just opt yeah. out. The second I, I try to go in on somebody, I fucking, I shred their skin off and they get like upset. So that's another thing. I'm not trying to brag. It sounds like I'm bragging, but it's actually been a problem where I thought I was just having fun. And then somebody gets really quiet and leaves the room. I'm like, I thought we were just, I thought we were just fucking oh, no. firing off here. I thought it was just hip firing. I mean, I, we were I tease talking. my friends, but I've never trash talked a stranger. That is like, I, I have never even gone there. And I, yeah. I, I know that's unusual. I feel like most people on the internet like do that all the time, but I have never derived pleasure from that. I think it's, always saps my soul no matter what if i'm the receiving or sending end of it yep i agree um i'm the same way i don't uh that's just something that it also feels very uh deconstructive so like especially Mm. if like they're on your team or if you're even playing against them or whatever it's just like you're not helping anybody here Eh, it could Um, be part of the poker match of a 1v1 match i think okay all right i think you can you can say some shit to get in people's heads and fuck with them a little bit either either before a match during a match after a match yeah I, uh, I I see what you're saying, Lawrence. That's a that is I I would agree that the I think the people that are better at the game usually say that because like I'm not I'm never good enough to be like I'm gonna trash talk you and beat you like I'm just concentrating on trying to win. <laughs> so um, if uh, if I'm out there trash talking or something, then I must be really good at the game. Most of the time, I I won't. Um, but also, you see, like generally, you see people that are really good at video games. They're not out there trash talking unless it's like somebody that's their friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not like shitting on people who they just destroyed um, because they know they can beat them. The, the, oh, in general the, or in what instance? Like, I think it's just in, in general, like I don't see it very often. Mm-hmm. I don't see, like um, unless it's like for the camera and Overwatch mm-hmm. and like most competitive games. I feel like it's become more, more and more common. Um, oh, such a bummer. People love that theater, though. And that. So that, that crosses into a really interesting thing where like if you're a professional athlete, sometimes that can be considered part of part of brand building. That's um, right. I know some yeah. some StarCraft pros back in the day, they kind of built their their image on being that person. And, and yes, it is ridiculous to think of somebody being a big brass tra- trash talker and then sitting down and playing StarCraft. But I mean, those those people would get put on like cards. They'd get invited to commentate. I think there yeah. is. No, you're right. It's it, it is totally part of branding. It's part of like it's almost uh uh, what's the word um it's like lauded as a you know look how hard this this athlete is like they you know (sighs) they're constantly dishing out you know punishment like they they got a great mental game like all that like i hate that shit just fucking focus on the game play like be good and just respect other people i don't know well now i know how to tilt you craig and if we're ever 1v1 i guess so but also it's not as bad for me in a 1v1 as it is in a team game Mm. That's the other thing is I've seen most trash talking come from team-based games um, where they're either putting down, they're like trying to turn you against others. They're trying to like, you know, whatever the the nuance of the game is, um, that's always the hardest for me is planting the seed of doubt of like one of your teammates, like 
maybe they aren't as good as me. And like, maybe because they're screwing up, that means I'm screwing, like, you know, it's not my fault, it's their fault. And then they like turn people against each other. And then that's like how they win. It's like in their mind, it, it's just so not fun. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't like that shit. Yeah. I, I, yeah, uh, lots of people are talking about like, oh, I saw this at Evo or, or boxing. Or, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes, that's, that is part of the theater of doing that. I'm talking about just generally, like if you're like watching somebody play on a Twitch stream or, or whatever, it's not for a championship. They're just playing Overwatch. Like what I'm doing is relating, I'm, I'm just relating their experiences to yours because you're not out there playing for championships. You're just out there playing for fun. Um, and, you know, like, I, that's why I'm saying like, why, why, why shit talk in a pub or something hmm. like what, you know, like shit talking in a, in a championship makes complete sense to me. Cause like Lawrence said, you try to get into their head, but, uh, but doing it like when you're in, in a fucking, who cares? Like, you know, just win or not. I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's strange to me that you would, you would shit talk a bunch of strangers in, in a match that doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Well, that's just some baggage you're carrying in, I think. Yeah, you're probably right. And then, and then sometimes those things tell you more about the person doing it. So that's, mm -hmm. to me, that's that's the, when you get to that point, when it's like when shit talking is part of the game, then it's it is poker because the amount of the amount and kind of shit talking you do can say more about you than it does about like your intentions in the game or how you want to play or anything like that. So it can give away some stuff, even if you're trying to like tilt somebody or get in, get them to give away information. You're already doing it yourself. So yeah, yeah, the way that people should talk and the things they say, it, yeah. especially if they're not doing it tactically, if they're just doing it to be assholes, yeah. really gives away well, a lot of a lot about themselves because people usually project their insecurities I mean, onto other people. I want to amend my earlier statement. Like getting people's heads in poker obviously is part of the game. Like you're trying to, you know, figure out their bluffs and like, you know, make them act out of character so you can like have a better advantage and, you know, playing your hand, whatever. So that's all fine to me. That That's part of the game. But, you know, yeah, like it's someone in, uh, I think in Lawrence's chat um, brought up a, a good example of like when you're in a team game and then someone calls you out and then your other teammates don't back you up in like telling them to like screw off, then now you don't even feel comfortable in your own team and with the enemy team, of course, because they're like, you know, shitting on you and you're like, what? Like what? What are we even doing at this point? Like, why are we even playing yep. this game? It's it's an yeah. unranked game. Like, no one, even if it was a ranked game, you're not being paid for this game unless you're in an actual <laughs> tournament. So, like, what is your what is your purpose here? Yep. Yeah, that's the way I feel. Again, like I'm relating that to the to the general experience of playing video games online, whether or not it's multiplayer or whatever else. Uh, when you're just out there trying to play a few random matches or whatever, you're not in a championship. You're not Michael Jordan. Uh, why are you talking shit? And like Lawrence said, I think it reflects more on who they are, uh, less less on on you. Yeah. So. And I know like a common reaction to this sort of talk is like, well, this is the way things are. If you don't like it, then tough luck. Oh, yeah. You know, grow thicker skin. And it's like <sighs> we should be able to voice our you know problems or our cons like our the things we don't like about a culture in the hopes of how it can shift and change and going forward. I don't think, you know, obviously the, it's the way things are now. And like you, people still play Dota, even though it's toxic as shit. And like, you know, <laughs> they have a bunch of stuff in there to like mute chat because they're just like, we've given up policing it. Just, you know, forget it exists. Yeah. Um, it's the valve way, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> us do things. What if a system did it instead? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what if people perfect. could vote. Yeah, <laughs> they actually. Okay, yeah, actually, that's even funnier. Valve has like so many systems in Dota that uh, reward you for doing stuff for them. Um, like for, I think one of my friends that plays it all the time told me they have a system where there's like a peer review for reported games where if someone's been reported, they will send the VOD to someone else who is like a trusted, like, oh yeah, like, you yeah. know, culture policeman. And they will like watch the VOD and be like, yep, that's abusive. And they like confirm the flag, <laughs> uh, which is so funny to me. And you know, does that honestly, policeman is, like get a hat or like Dota coins or something? I don't know. I, maybe it's probably Dota coins. I got to ask them. I don't, I don't know exactly what, uh, pays out for it but you know personally i think i would actually be open to to being a you know a toxic policeman well you want to be a narc can... just for the just for the glory of it you want to feel like you're <laughs> no, i don't care about the dota coins the, dude the evil in the if, world? if i can help knock those assholes into like you know low prio matchmaking where they're with their <laughs> other fucking cesspool friends and they can all just like quit the game together and eventually like you know find new hobbies like i've done my service to the world Oh man, yeah. Joker fights says you don't get anything from it, so it, it truly is just the hall monitors. Oh, it's just like, purely just it. Yeah, I will oh, happily be they the Enark. <laughs> they get a lot from that. Let me tell you, they get a lot from that shit because they sit there and wield whatever tiny little piece of authority they have over everybody else, and oh my gosh, it gives them the biggest boner. So I'm gonna. I mean, this this is the. I'm gonna. This is devil's advocate advocation early. All right, I'm gonna set that up. And yes, I know it's bullshit, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Do it. Um, what's the difference between somebody bringing like frustration and lack of control into an online game and then going toxic because they either win or lose and that's how they get their satisfaction back? But or someone like Kraken who sees people being assholes all day and there's no justice there and he wants to be the visitation of that. So he's bringing in all of the all of the baggage of seeing assholes be assholes. And now he has his moment where he gets to be in power and sort of shape the world to his to his liking. It seems like it's just two people pulling in opposite directions. It seems yeah, like uh, everything's actually the same if you think about it. If you think uh, about Lawrence, it. Oh, Lawrence, you're, I, I, I actually, Lawrence, I agree with the devil's advocate here, and I'll, I'll use the example of a jury of your peers. Okay. So the reason they do a jury of your peers is obviously because, you know, like we're all supposedly on the same level, et cetera, et cetera. However, the two lawyers vet the jury. Mm. They ask the jury if they have any biases toward what happened in the case. Mm. So when you get Kriken, who's like, I hate shit talk, and this dude needs to go fucking down, and then he's in there, you know, this guy like, oh, I hate this dude's face I, or whatever. Yeah, it's they, like I'm they, I'm the juror, the juror that hates, uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, fucking the Monkey King character in Dota. And it's like, if I see a Monkey King player, they're toxic. I, I count them <laughs> as, you know, I auto flag that. <laughs> and then I get like a report from someone. They're like, "Oh, this guy was toxic," and I'm like, "Yep, Monkey King's in the game, definitely toxic." And I like, yeah, that you're right. Yep. There, I mean, biases. It works in the the court of law, or you know, maybe it works in the court of law. Who knows? Uh, because as good as we can get yeah, it to work, it's yeah, basically to boil, because boil of the down. the vetting process. Um, but yeah, in a game where we have uh, we have grudges, you know, who knows? That's that's why you need to vet, but but Valve is never going to do that because, like Lawrence said, they only have systems to do that, not actual people. So they are they are just utterly infatuated with creating systemic solutions to problems that don't involve human oversight. Something that I noticed really early, especially when it comes to curating the store, they just rely on people reporting and voting and tagging and yeah. I mean, it's smart. Yep. It's a it's the tech bro way to make money. 
create a system that incentivizes people to do the work for you and somehow drive revenue to you. Oh, mm-hmm. man. That's crazy. Or, like, just trading cards, items, like, all that stuff. Valve's pretty brilliant, but also very, like, gosh, they're so, like, utterly liber- libertarian about everything they do. That's right. They are. But that's the Absolutely. beauty of uh, of multiple approaches is everybody can try something different, and ideally the best solutions work and the worst solutions don't. I don't know. That's, that's I mean, Bruce, it's, it's, some, it's funny you brought up jury of your peers because I feel like, you know, I'm obviously, out of, out of every system of governance in the world, most familiar with the United States is, but like the whole system of checks and balances I like because it presumes people are going to be shitty and That's it just right. pits people's shittiness against each other. It's not, it's not trying to yep. get rid of the shittiness. It's assuming that it's going to happen and then like mm-hmm. giving it a place to play that doesn't damage anyone. And to some degree, you could argue that's toxicity online. If you go into a Dota match and, and you're just an asshole, maybe that's like negative energy that you vent out that's not being vented out in other places. Now, granted, that that reasoning can go down to some very uncomfortable places, so I'm not going to follow it up too much. But <laughs> So like, there's shit talking in a Dota match, but they otherwise maybe would have killed someone. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, like, the, uh, that's the logic. And because of the shit talking, now I have that toxic energy and now I'm going to go kill someone like that's, you know, it, it's you're just passing it on to the next person. But in a team based game, you're passing it on to more people. You're passing it on to, to five times as many. It's just it's propagating. It's like uh, it's true. It, it's it, yeah. Although you could make the argument that it's like being distilled because it's like hmm. going through so many people at once that maybe you're you're like getting a little bit less to each one of them. And that way it's just kind of no. No. no, you're right. It's just no it's way. It's, you're, sp- you're spreading. You're sp- yeah, you're spreading your bad day to five other people. That's what yep. you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> Extracting your happiness from others. Yeah. <laughs> but people can do that. They're allowed. Like I'm that. Craig, and I've been thinking a lot about this because I see, I see a lot of it in you know just people expressing their frustration with the state of the world. Is like people are doing these things and they're bad. And then every I mean you kind of acknowledged it yourself. Often the reaction is like, well, that's just how it is, and, and deal with it. But like, I don't know, I, I love seeing that. I love seeing that those impulses butt up against each other, as long as it's all within the bounds of legality. And certainly being a, being a toxic asshole online is legal. That doesn't make mm-hmm. it right. So it's this interesting push back and forth in that in that center boundary line where it's like it's not illegal, so you can't prosecute it. Um, but it is just a shitty thing to do. Uh, but people are allowed to be shitty. I remember there was this article on Kotaku like a couple of years ago with somebody who was just like a, a troller. Like, that's just what I do. I go online and I troll the fuck out of people. And that's how I get my kicks. And the the interviewer kept asking, like, why do you do this? Don't you care about the people you're you're bothering? And they were like, no, I don't care. I just go online and I do it. And that's how I have fun. And mm-hmm. like, it's an online game. It's within the rules of the game. It's not illegal on the terms of service. That's how I get my enjoyment. And then the writer would be like, well, but that's coming at the expense of other people. And they were just like, I don't care. And that's it. What do you do? What do you do when somebody says, I don't care? I guess, I guess, like you were saying, Craig, and there ideally there's a system in place to remove those people from the pool because they are toxic and they do drive yeah, away players. They so gotta go bad somewhere. For business at the end of yeah. at the end of the day. But yeah, just have them, can just have them play care. against each other. Just have them play against each other. Now, like, yeah, Toxic Island. Toxic yeah. Island. Yo, let's start a, a new show. <laughs> but then who decides who goes to Toxic? I mean, it would be Craig. I do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Kraken does. Yeah. If you wrong me, I send you to Toxic Island. <laughs> oh, monkey! You're a Monkey King player. You're going to Toxic Island. <laughs> I got to think about what topic. I've said this podcast now. <laughs> I mean, uh, how many times have you come at me? This I, podcast? Bruce, I'll okay. Bruce, I'm actually, Bruce under the bus. Bruce, here, yeah. Bruce was at I've least come, twice. Come, yeah, I come at him a lot. 
I'm we have a three-strike system sure. here at Toxic Island, so, you know, be careful. I just accused you, accused <laughs> you of being nice. abusive in production scenarios, which... Right. Oof. If you come yeah, after but... me now, I get to say it's retaliation. So, think about oh, that. Oh, no. He thought ahead. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the seed of doubt. We, uh, guys, we uh, this is a great topic. We made it to the end and more. We, we've talked mm. a lot longer than... Bonus. Uh, I know. that uh, The bonus part of the... Po- this is the after... Sh- whatever. They talked to the... Talk to the internet after talk to the internet, whatever after talk show. Talk to the after internet. Can we send NordVPN an invoice for this extra time? No, absolutely not. No Why did we even do it then? <laughs> I guess we were having fun. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what are you guys doing for the uh, the rest of the day? Great question. Um, I really like that shirt, by the way, Kraken. I don't know if I said that. I didn't say thanks. that. It's a great shirt. It's waving at you. Um, I was considering bumming around uh, a bunch of pharmacies looking for a um, a spare. Uh, Ooh. I heard Dodger uh, Stadium's a ghost town if you want to try to bust up that's there. That's what I heard. Go to Dodger Stadium. Really? Yep. Yeah, like like just no one's in line. They have like thousands of extra doses. This I just saw like mentions of this on, on social media, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate that still is, but probably worth a shot. Ha! Nice. Yeah. I, I told Bree that actually, Kraken, so... I, I think you should uh, go give that a shot. Cool. Yeah, I might, I might take a look then. Um, but yeah, I might do that. And then tonight might do more Arma. I don't know what the plan is with the other boys, but we might have another uh, awful military experience. Um, and if not, then uh, I've been playing Evil Geniuses lately, which has been uh, a similar feeling of fun and pain. So you know, <laughs> maybe I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, it's Weeaboo Wednesday for me. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been playing Like a Dragon a lot lately, Yakuza. So I'm probably just gonna keep playing that. It's it's weird because it's very text based, which makes streaming a challenge. Because I can't, like, I can read chat and play a game at the same time, but I can't read two things at once. So right. I find that there's these long periods of just silence where I'm just kind of reading RPG text, and I don't know. I feel like. I feel like it's it's not an interesting stream, but no one else seems to mind, so that's a weird thing to kind of juggle in my head. But so yeah, that's that's what I got about. Oh wait, also maybe Devil May Cry Five. Maybe there's a lot of there's a lot of weeaboo <laughs> games out. Also, uh, R Type Final Two is coming up. I just saw a trailer for a demo, so maybe maybe that's out. Maybe I'll find that because R Type Final is astoundingly good. Man, what a weird game, Craig. And I'd like to pick your mind about that game some t- sometime. R-type, I've never heard of it. Yeah, R-Type Final is wild. Essentially, it's like, uh, this is the end of the podcast, so I'll try to be quick. But it was like, there was there was like a, a brief window when people were trying to play with shoot 'em ups and make them something different and bigger. So R-Type Final has like, there's tons of little hidden factors in each level that depend, like decide what the next level is going to look like. And there's million branching paths and tons of unlockable ships. But it's the sort of thing you don't really notice until you've played it the 10th time and you're like, wait a minute, the water level's different now. Or that boss looks different. Now I'm playing an entirely new stage. It was mm. super, super cool. Um, and it almost had that like, because they didn't tell you any of it. There was, there was no tutorialization. You just sort of happened to cross it. And then you had to sort of figure out what was the deciding factor. So you'd, you'd have an the entire variable, playthrough yeah. in the first level where you're like, okay, I'm going to try this instead and see what happens. Cool yeah. stuff. Oh, uh, I was Ooh. using Weeaboo inappropriate. Oh, no. Am I getting canceled now? I thought that Already? that term was still self, like, still enjoyably self-deprecating, but maybe it is. Maybe it's yeah. Bad. I feel like it's pretty self-aware, but maybe it. Uh... It's making fun of appropriation, right? That's what I always thought. Anyway, 
Anyway, yeah, it's, it's Weeaboo Wednesday, so I'm going to play it's not Japanese. It's making fun of a culture. It's making fun of an <laughs> obsession with a culture, I feel like. I, yeah, I thought I was making fun of Lawrence, but yeah, me I don't specifically. Know. Well, um, not me, because I actually do understand Japan on a fundamental and spiritual level. It's making fun of all those other anime nerds. I don't know about that, Lawrence. You, you, were you brought up there? Uh, well, I mean, part of me was. I just didn't know that. What do you mean? What do you mean? Part of you? All right, Bruce. Let's imagine that you you do a, a twenty three and me or whatever, right? And it comes back and you're like, <laughs> you're okay. Let's say that you're like a quarter Russian. You're like, whoa! And then you go to Russia and you see all of your heritage and you're like, this makes total sense. I've been Russian since I was born. I just didn't uh-huh. know it. All right? right. That's me. Okay. That's me, but being uh, Japanese. So. But it said it said Japanese on your twenty three and me. Oh no, I haven't done one. Uh, but if ah, I he's just assuming he's just a mat- there yeah. we go there he's we just, go okay All right. yeah. I just want to make sure I don't want I mean, as, as long as you don't do one you can always you know just imagine it <laughs> Thank and then you. it's like Pandora's ancestry you're like <laughs> right maybe, you know as long as I don't look I am part Japanese in my as mind as long as you don't look exactly that's Ugh. the way it works that's guys. the way it works Jex has got it actually if there were if there were a 23 in me for the soul it would find out that I am 95% Japanese. Oh, boy. And then 5% uh, 5% the feature film The Matrix. Can we end the podcast oh. already? Well, hold on. I didn't get to talk about what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, Bruce yeah, has to talk now. It's, it's much less problematic. I just problematic. want to cut Lawrence off. He's about to go to Toxic <laughs> Island, I swear. It's, mu- it's much less problematic for me. I am I have a P.O. box that I opened up at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to be opening up some mail. That's it. Ooh, that sounds fun. It is fun. It'll be fun, and it won't be uh, any any uh, cultural appropriation at all. So, great. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We don't know what the letters. <laughs> there is the thing I sent. Lawrence says. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we made it. We made it. All right. Thank you. Thank you all very much for watching or listening or however you're here. I I and we appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs>